Joshua chapter 5. And have a finger also in Deuteronomy chapter 10. We'll start off in Joshua chapter 5 and then we'll jump back to Deuteronomy chapter 10. We'll stand for the reading of God's word. And our pastor has given me to 8 o'clock. So you pray that I can get done by 8 o'clock because I need it. So Joshua chapter 5, verse, we'll start in verse 1 and read through to verse 9. I'll read verse 1 and you respond verse 2. Verse 1, it came to pass that when all the kings of the Amorites, which uh, Amorites, that were on the Jordan westward, on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until they were passed over, their hearts melted, neither was there any spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. At the time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives, Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause of why Joshua circumcised all the people that came out of Egypt at their mouths, even all the men who died in the wilderness after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, they came forth out of Egypt. Them they had not circumcised. For the and their children, whom he raised up in their stead, did them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you, wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. So Joshua. So that's uh, Joshua, go now to Deuteronomy chapter 10. In verse 16 and 17, we'll read together. Both verse uh, 16 and 17, we'll read together. You there? Ready? Read. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your hearts, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, and the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. Right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this evening. I thank you, Lord, for being able to meet in your house, Lord, to come together with the brethren, and Lord, to uh, preach your word, and Lord, to hear it, and Lord, to uh, fellowship, and Lord, to sing your praises, Lord. I pray you be in the preaching now, Lord, and Lord, uh, let your spirit work in the congregation, Lord. Lord, uh, pray this be a help to those that are here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I don't have time to review what we went over last time. We are looking at uh, the children of Israel coming across Jordan. And that's in chapter 3. You can, it's uh, on the sermon audio. You can go back and look at it in your own time. 
So they were, just uh, briefly, they were following the way that God had prepared for them. And the first thing that they came to, so the end of chapter 4 is they're setting up the memorial stones of their passage over Jordan. And chapter 5, and in verse 1, it starts out uh, about the response of the kings. So the kings realized there was a threat, and the threat was the people of God. The kings represent um, the, uh, the dark forces of this world, so the devil and his under, what, what you want to call it, um, powers that he has, has in place. And when the people started following God's way, God said, we're going to cross the Red Sea. God went ahead. God prepared the way through Jordan. When they started following that, the, that the devil, when we as Christians start following the way God has laid out for us, then we're going to upset the devil. It's often said we put a target on our back. And that's really true. If you're going to live for God and follow God's path, you are making yourself a target to the devil. Um... So the first thing, so this is the children of Israel entering the promised land. For us, this is a picture of uh, entering victorious Christian life. So the first thing, when we start wanting to follow God's way, we, we cross that Jordan, we die to ourselves in the River Jordan. We stop worrying about the wilderness where you're always... What, what, am I, what about me, what about me? You know, they're always complaining about their food, their water, their drink. Um, how are we, what are we going to wear? What are we going to, you know? And all these things God said has, if you will seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add all those things to you. So they have died to themselves. They're no longer, you know, they were saved in Egypt, but now they have... Um, and they're thinking, well, we're going to go there and we're going to do it in our strength. And when they followed their own strength, their own power, that's Numbers chapter 14, 1 through 4, they were going to run away back to Egypt and God wouldn't let them. God led them through the wilderness 40 years and then they crossed Jordan. And so the first thing that God did was, when they crossed Jordan was circumcise them. And again, so what's, the, what's circumcision really about? It's verse uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16. Uh, Circumcise therefore the, sick, the foreskin of your heart, because God is not after as much. He, he, he wants our obedience in the things of outward appearance, but it starts in the heart. God goes after our heart first. Because if you what you believe in your heart is what will come out. It's what action. If you believe that this or that is right, that is what you will do. Even if sometimes you falter, you will come back to what you believe. If we jump to the New Testament in Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Start out in verse 6. As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built, built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abound therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. 
we just pause there. If you look at all of that, the tradition of men, the rudiments of the world, that's what the children of Israel were looking for in the wilderness. When they're going round and round and round, they were following their own ideas, the philosophy of the men, of their leaders, and their idea of how a war should be fought and how land should be conquered, and they viewed that they couldn't do it. And they weren't walking how, you know, they'd received, as it were, Christ when in the Passover, but they weren't walking as they had received, which was by faith. Um, carry on, verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So again, this this is the this links your the circumcision to the the spiritual implication behind it of, and it goes further to you know what what is circumcision of heart? It is the putting off of the body of the flesh in verse eleven. So if you could jump. Um, chapter 3 we'll look at quite a bit later on Not, we'll look at more later on but that is it goes through that it says right this is you've received Christ you are circumcised in him may, um, with, with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of sins of the of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him, verse 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead to your sins and uncircumcised of your flesh, hath he quickened, the word quickened there meaning to be made alive again, together with him, to quicken together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that is against us. That's the law of bringing lambs. When you talk about the ordinances, that's uh, bringing lambs and such, and bullocks and goats for your sins, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, uh, sorry, made a show of them, openly triumphing over them in it and that's in his cross so again that's the finished work of Christ that is the power that um, we have over and it says he has power over principalities you know uh, we talk people often look at the devil and say well the devil's a scary foe and he has a lot of power well yeah he does if you fight him in your own power but you have to fight him in the power of Christ Ah, in the power of the spirit, not in your flesh. If you try to fight in your flesh, you'll fail every time because your flesh uh, is not glorified. Your flesh still sins. And your flesh is weak. And your spirit, if you feed it right, will be strong. And it comes down to what you put in is what you get out. If you put rubbish in, you get rubbish out. If you put good things in, you will get strength out of it. Um, go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify 
in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding, understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned in Christ, if so that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye have put off concerning the former conversation the old man that is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in your spirit, so be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye may, and that ye may put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor. We are members one of another. So be angry and sin not. Neither let the, the sun go down on your, on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working that which it, with his hands the thing which is good, that he may give to them to him that hath need. So this whole thing is about walking in the spirit, walking, putting the new man off on, and putting the old man off. And it starts to give examples of the things that you will do. Um, if you go back to Colossians chapter 3, it says, If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things, this is verse 1, which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and having put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that is created of him that created him so that's Christ has created a new creature in you and you are to put on the image of Christ where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcision nor uncircumcision barbarian Scythian bond or free but Christ is all and in all so the to put on the spirit um, is Galatians chapter five 
to, sorry, to put off the flesh is Galatians 5, 19, 20, 21. To put on the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, which God works in you. It's about submitting to God, because you can't, you can't jimmy those, these things up in yourself. You can't... Um, if the Spirit of God is not in you, you can't consistently produce them. You might fool people for a season, but in the end the truth will come out and you will be exposed. Um, so it says there, um, the first one, you know, love. And that's um, Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 13, talks about charity. Charity is love in action. Charity, if you want to read that um, that whole description of charity, it's verse from verse 4 down. Um, through verse 8. But when you look down in uh, verse 11, it says, But when I was a child, I spake as a child, and understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's about putting off your flesh, putting on the new man. Is circumcision is growing up in your Christian life. It's not doing the things you used to do, you know. There's things that I used to do when I was young and even uh, when I was lost, and even when I was young in my Christian life, that now that I've grown up a little, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm a super Christian or anything, I'm really not, um, but now I've grown up a little bit, I understand a bit more, I don't do some of the things I used to do. Um, even as, you know, you can grow up mentally, physically, but, and, you know, you can see landmarks of that. Do you take care of yourself or do you wait for others to do everything for you, you know? Spiritually, do you wait for the preacher to explain the word of God or do you study it out for yourself? Do you, you know, wait for... You know, young young children who are less capable can't tidy up their room. Do you do we spiritually wait for the preacher to come along and preach a message that convicts us, and so we clean up our lives? We clean up a certain aspect, or are we looking in the Bible to be clean? <clears throat> when I got saved, I didn't. It talks about um, there in. In Colossians, if ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. When I got saved, I didn't need to be told that certain things were wrong. I already knew it. Now, I was, I had a, a was not a Christian upbringing like those that raised in this church would have. But I was raised in a Christian home. We went to church and I understood that certain things were right and wrong. But I had no ability to do the right thing unless certain people were around. I 
There's a card game we used to play. Thank you. Um, in high school. And it was fine, in my opinion, to play the card game so long as Tim wasn't around because Tim didn't approve of it. My standard of right and wrong was based on Tim being around. It's actually, he doesn't know how much trouble he kept me out of. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, but it, that verse there, uh, go to Second Corinthians, uh, sorry, Colossians chapter 2. In verse 16, let no man judge you, therefore, uh, let therefore no man, let, let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of a Sabbath days, or of the Sabbath days, which are the shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. So it talks that let no man judge you. Do you let the preacher judge you, or do you let God judge you? Because, what do you, what do you mean by that? I mean, do you uh, rely on what the preacher's opinion is for what's right and wrong? Now, pastor has a high standard, but pastor's not God. Pastor doesn't necessarily have everything right, but... You need to, you know, you need to follow him in Christ as he follows Christ. Um, and there's times where, because of our flesh nature, pastor's going to fall, we're going to fall. And if you are relying on his judgment of what's right and wrong, when he falters, you will look at that to justify your own sin. You'll say, well, he screwed up, he messed up, so what does it matter? Because you're opinion of right and wrong is not based on the word of God, it's based on the judgment of your fellow man. You say, well, should, it talks there about the Sabbath, should we keep the Sabbath? It's up to you, really, what's your conviction about it? But if you, can, if you just follow someone else's opinion, not based on what they feel is right, you know, if, sorry, if you follow what they feel is right, then you are being judged of your fellow man. If you look over in chapter 3, in verse 23, you see a contrast. It says, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive re the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. And... But what he, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. So that verse talks about Christ being the reason you do what you do. And when you're doing it for Christ, you know, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Do you come to church because if you don't come to church, pastor's going to get up and preach about people not coming to church, not coming to the service? Or do you come to church because you love God and God has prepared the church for you to encourage you and to strengthen you yep. throughout your week? It's a higher... There's a law... There are laws set in the world... And some laws are higher than others. 
in some areas, your, the government does have more jurisdiction than your parents, right? If you go out and kill someone, your parents can't stop the government from punishing you according to the law. But at the same time, the government is not supposed to interfere with your family discipline, because that's the area God has given to the parents, not to the government, not to the state. Um, and the same applies spiritually. There is different levels of law in the Bible. There is the Mosaic law of thou shalt not. You will not do this, you will not do that, you will do this, and you will do this. But there is a higher law than that law, and that's the law of love. If you love God, you're not going to do certain things, not because you can't, or you, um, you're afraid of what will happen, but because you love God and you don't want to hurt His cause, then you will do the right thing. Um, if you read First John chapter 5, verse 3, 5, verse 3, For this is the love, love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. So we talk about growing, growing up spiritually. Does it bother you? how God says or tells you to dress. You know, the preacher gets up here and says, well, you, you should dress this way. And the whole issue of dress is a reflection of your spiritual condition. If you talk and think in... This is why I preached so long and hadn't thought about this, but um, it talks about being clothed uh, in the immortality with our immortal body, with our home from heaven, I think, in in Second Corinthians, Second or First Corinthians, um, sorry. Be, I can't think of where it's at, but you know the the reason why why do why is there all the what God considers nudity going on out in the world? You know God's standard of your nakedness is from your knee up. It's your thigh. If you show your thigh, that's showing nakedness in God's eyes. And all these people going around in short shorts and short skirts and whatever, it is a reflection of their spiritual nakedness before God. They don't have. They're not clothed with the righteousness of Christ internally. Second Corinthians 5 4. Second Corinthians 5.4. Yep, that's the one. Thank you. 5.4. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought for uh, uh, wrought us for the self same thing as God who hath not given us sorry, who hath given us given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Wherefore we are confident, always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, we walk by faith and not by sight. It talks there about being uh, verse three it talks about I'll go, go back up to verse two. For this 
We, for in this we do grow earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, if so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. It talks about your being clothed in the new glorified body, and that mortality might be swallowed up in life. And all through the Bible, you talked um, Adam when Adam and Eve partook of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. They knew they were naked, and God clothed them. And right through the Bible, the clothing that people wear is a picture of their internal, their spiritual condition. If you are going around, you know, spirit, uh, what God considers naked externally, it's a reflection of your heart. But if, you know, it's not to say that if you wear long pants and long shirts that you necessarily means that you're internally spiritually covered. But if you are in that where you are dressing wrong, when you get saved, it will, your, your mindset will change. You'll have a desire to be clothed upon. And that will come out in you. You will clothe yourself according, accordingly. You know, you want to be covered. Um, yep. You know, there's certain. When I, I talk about that card game, I had a real. Um, it's a. I hope nobody here knows it, but it's called Magic the Gathering. Um, and we would play it at lunchtime in the library or at the town library. And I didn't see what was wrong with it because I was lost. Um, and frankly, if my parents had known about it, I would have. I would have never gone to the library again. <laughs> um, but when I got saved, nobody had to tell me that playing that card game was wrong because of the witchcraft that goes on. You know, the, the whole thing is centered around spells and magic and witchcraft. And when I got saved, I knew that that was wrong. And you, I didn't need an explanation that, you know, it was just automatic. You just don't do it because it's not right. When you grow up, there's certain things, you know, you can act a certain way when you're a child. And people will sort of go, well, that's a child, you know, that's what you expect. But if you're still acting like a child, ten years from, or, you know, if you're acting like five at fifteen, people are thinking, starting to think there's a problem. If you're still acting... You know, spiritually, if you're acting immature in 10 years' time from going to church, are you actually growing? Because you will grow if you are saved, you'll grow. Are you actually saved or are you? Uh, do you have a false profession? Because God has said that it will produce righteousness in you. Now, if you don't know and don't understand, that's one thing. But if it's explained to you or if you read it in the Bible and... You still won't, and you still won't. Every time it's brought up, um, you know, there's no change, and there's no change, and there's no change, and ten years down the road, there's still no change. Then are you genuine in what you have professed? Um, Anyway, that's that's off on a rabbit trail. Um, If we go back to... 
Um, so I covered that on Second Colossians chapter two, verse sixteen, talking about being judged of man. Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten. Second Corinthians chapter ten. Um, as I've written the reference down for that. I don't think I've written the right reference there, but the point being, the standard that we hold ourselves to is not... See, when I was playing them card games, the standard I would hold myself to was, is mum and dad there? Is my brother there? Is somebody who cares there? The reality is, I, if you asked me at that time, I... Are you a Christian? I would say yes. Because my idea of being a Christian was going to church. I didn't understand. And because of that, you know, everybody around me thought, well, you're a Christian, you're not supposed to play that. But I would still play it and they would, there's a funny look, they go, you're not real. Because you're doing the things that we know a Christian ought not do. Now, there is a difference, of course, between people's idealism of what a Christian ought to be and what God says that we should be. Um, go to First Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 13 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that in well doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness but as the servants of God honour all men, love the brotherhood, fear God honour the king servants be subject to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle but also to the froward for this is thankworthy that if a man for conscience toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully for what glory is it if ye, when ye be buffeted for your faults uh, ye shall take it patiently but if when ye do well, ye suffer for it, take it, take, uh, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto are ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. When the Pharisees were persecuting Christ, they were persecuting him over the righteousness that he had because they did not have it, because they had tried to obtain righteousness through following every little statute without considering mercy. They would twist the Bible to suit their own needs. When they took that lady, the woman they say, the, this woman was taken in adultery, caught in the very act, the law required that you brought both the man and the woman and 
they only brought the woman. If she was caught in the very act, that means there was a man there when she was caught. They took the law and twisted it to suit their own needs, but Christ looked at the, at the, the higher law. Rather than, you know, they'd taken the law and twisted it to suit their own purposes. But because of that, Christ said, you know, why do you make, this time and time again, he would say, why do you make the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition? They weren't interested in judgment and justice. They were interested in trapping Christ. Um, and they were trying to pin him down. People in the world... They have a standard for what they think is right and wrong. And that's fine, that's good. You know, without it, society would collapse. But again, there is a difference between um, God's law, God's word, and what God requires of us, and man's idealism. Um, and just on that, when people... Um, People in your workplace watch you for how you respond to circumstances, to things. When things don't go well, how do you respond? That is a greater testimony to them than you living, than you not sinning. Um, they're not so much looking for you to be sinless, but how do you respond when you sin? Because they, they realistically they know in their heart that you can't be sinless. So how do you respond when you do sin? If you go, if you, they say, well, look, that ain't right. And you say, you know what? That wasn't right. And I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be a Christian. And that, that really isn't right. It's not the right way for me to behave, for anyone to behave. Can you forgive me? If you say that, even to a lost man, they will acknowledge that even though you haven't done right, you're trying to make it right. They look more at your response to circumstance than you living perfect all the time. Um, and it's also the other way around. When you look at when they do wrong to you, how do you respond? If they um, say they, they dent your car... You know, you're driving along, you stopped at the traffic light and they haven't stopped in time and you ended up in their back end. Or they ended up in your back end and you get out the car and you explode at them. And, you know, just for example, and say you had a... Um, if thou shalt confess the Lord thy God, uh, the Lord, and believe it, call it that verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, I've seen it on the back of a few cars. You see that... Verse, and then they, they look and you get out the car and explode at them. What are they going to think of Christians? That's going to have a bigger effect on them than you not sinning. And you know, we, you know, you can. Your reaction to adverse circumstance is a greater testimony than you never having done anything wrong. If you, when you've done wrong. You turn and apologize and ask for forgiveness. It shows a genuineness to what you claim to believe rather than a yeah. self-righteous, yeah. I can't do anything wrong because I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, and that's Ephesians chapter 4. 
Well, I think that might have been my verse before. Um, Second Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty-two. Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty-two. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And I think that'll be second. The other verse there would be Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse twelve. Corinthians 10. No. Dear me. Verse has gone absent without leave. No, I can't see it there. Um, but it talks about being, you know, why do, why do you, when someone does you wrong, why do you forgive them? Why do you do... But um, what you do, it's for Christ's sake um, that we do what we do. It's not, again, that and Peter, you know, you're bearing the reproach for the things that you do right because of Christ. You bear it for Christ's sake. You know, they persecute you for righteousness' sake, and you bear it because of Christ, because it will... um, affect things both now and in eternity. If we go back to Colossians chapter 3, and I'm nearly done on this, talking about um, what is circumcision of the heart. It says, If then ye be risen with Christ, verse 1, those things, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. If you look over in verse 5, it talks about Verse 5, right down through verse 10, even down to verse 17, that is you internally. If you are risen with Christ, that is the result internally. Mortifying the flesh, putting on the new man. Verse 18 through 21 is how you, the outworking of your salvation in your family. Verse 22. And chapter 4, verse 1, it talks about how you respond in your workplace situation. You know, if you are genuine and saved, if you are risen with Christ, you will seek those things which are above automatically, not based on, well, the preacher said I have to, the preacher or mum and dad said I have to, this is the way we've always done it, this is what culture, this is the culture we were raised in. It's not that at all, it's... Because of Christ, I want to do the right yep. thing. Yep. And I'll just close again just by mentioning the contrast. Um, verse 16 of chapter 2, it says, Let no man therefore judge you. Are you going to be judged by what's right and wrong according to your siblings, your parents, uh, the preacher, the pastor, the neighbour, or are you going to allow the Lord to lead you to the Lord to show you what's right and wrong and for the Lord to instruct and to lead you down the path of life? And when he does lead you, how are you going to respond? Because it says there the response, it says, verse 23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Do you enjoy, are you enthusiastic, are you energetic about the work of God or... 
what God has called you to do? Or are you ashamed of, you know, the standard that is held? Um, And so this, you know, if we are risen with Christ in this room, you know, I believe everyone's here saved. Let us do what that verse says in verse 1. Seek the things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God and set our affections on the things that are above and not on things of the earth. Because if you go down to the end of the chapter, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But, But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong for that, for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons, God's not going to look at you and say, well, you're a preacher, okay, you can let it, I'll let it slide. God's not going to do that. God's not going to say, because you're a prime minister, you're this, that, or the other thing, I'm going to let your sin slide. God's going to deal with it. In fact, when you look at through the Bible, those that are in authority are held to a higher level, a higher accountability um, but yeah, just to close, do we follow Christ because we have to, or because we want to? All right. So just um, that is the first thing. When you cross Jordan, the first thing coming into the promised land is to be circumcised of heart, to put off the old man and to put on the new man. And uh, we'll hopefully get to carry on through this and maybe I'll be a bit more organised on some of my references uh, next time. But uh, for now, uh, let's pray and we'll be done with the lesson for tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you Lord for tonight. Pray Lord that uh, there will be some good gleaned out of your word tonight Lord. And I pray Lord a pathway laid Lord for the rest of the uh, lessons to come Lord help us Lord to go out and Lord to put to death the old man and to put on the new man to live for you not because our fellow man beside us thinks we should or um, because the preacher says we should but Lord because we want to serve you out of the love we have for you in our hearts Lord I pray uh, work Work in us, Lord, and uh, be with us as we uh, are throughout our week and help us, Lord, to lift up our eyes, Lord, to the heavenly things, Lord, to the things that really matter. In Jesus' name we pray you help us do this. Amen. Amen. Amen.